0: This is Draco Malfoy and the Wheel of Hecate, Part 4 of the Mirror of Isidiru series by Star Bridget, Chapter 14. What You'll Sorely Miss Dear Dragonface, about your issues with anger, believe me, I know a thing or two about anger. For the first few years in Azkaban, I don't know if I felt much else besides anger and grief and cold. And I'm not going to be the person to try and prescribe you with anger management or cute little breathing exercises or any of that shit. Spite, resentment, all of that can be useless self-destructive poison if it's directionless. It can turn upon yourself or you can turn it outward. That's what I did. I took my anger as my weapon and turned it to vengeance. Anger kept me alive in Azkaban. Anger kept the Dementors at bay even more than being an Animagus. Anger is what sustained me through the years, even when every one of those years felt like a century. I was robbed, and when you're robbed you can lament over your losses, you can count them and go over and over them in your head, or you can go after the robber and try to rob them back. It's like if you lose your house in a fire. You can try to put out those flames and sit and cry over everything you used to own. You can try to replace what you lost. But what I would do before anything is go after the person who set the fire. Remus is looking over my shoulder and telling me this is terrible advice and that at this rate you'll be worse off for having your uncle in your life. To that, I would like to instruct Mooney to get his abnormally cute nose out of other people's correspondence. As for your question of anti-love potions or spells, it's an interesting idea. I don't know anything about it, though, even in dark magic terms. My first instinct, and Remus agrees with me here, is that it's probably impossible, if love can't be created by magic. It would make sense that it can't be destroyed by it either. Humans do well enough at that part ourselves. Sincerely, your grim-faced uncle. Draco had the supplies for Wolfsbane now. He quickly forgot a Yule Ball had ever happened, with the pure academic thrill of such a difficult potion coming to obsess both him and Hermione. He felt very close to her on those long afternoons and evenings, carefully researching and casting charms to speed the pickling process of the mare, to the point that Hermione predicted they could have the first batch ready to send to Remus by Valentine's Day. She kept cautioning him, though, that the first one or two tries could very well fail, and that it would be better safe than sorry testing it. They didn't want to poison their favourite defence teacher. Everything should have been fine. It should have been his best year so far at Hogwarts. He had Severus, and four whole friends, which was more than enough. Sirius and Remus seemed relatively safe, so he didn't have to worry after his uncle like last year. None of his friends were turning on him, and there was no real suspicion towards him from the rest of the school. The Dark Mark accusations were child's play compared to what he'd suffered in second year, and the surprise blood magic, while terrifying, had at least lightened his course load. But it wasn't fine. There was that impracticable warning of Periander's, and Trelawney's prophecy that followed, and most of all, perhaps in some shadowy relation to it, Draco kept making enemy after enemy. Maybe because, as he had admitted to Sirius, he was so often angry. It was the most bizarre thing. How frustrated Draco found himself getting all the time for no reason. He knew he was tightly strung, without knowing precisely why. Severus had been right. He was making too many enemies. What was the list from just this year? Maybe Cornelius Fudge, but that was just a start. Igor Karkaroff. Amos Diggory, Cedric Diggory, Barty Crouch Senior and Junior, Fleur de Lacour, Percy Weasley, Permac Periander, Sybil Trelawney. When he wrote them all down in his fourth notebook, it had him disconcerted, not just at the length of the list, but when he realised that even with all the lashing out at those names, he hadn't made himself any less angry. Maybe the letter would have been more useful if Draco had outright told Sirius and Remus what his real fear was about the anger, that his mind, or his magic, or something even deeper to the core of him, was being twisted by his wand, and Periander was right. But he hadn't been able to break his self-imposed silence for one reason, past even the need to admit participation in what had been a very dark ritual. It was that, Whether he imagined it, Remus, or Hermione, or Sirius even, he went to, he could not be sure that they would not want to take the Talon wand from him. And he would rather give up many things. In darker moments, it felt like he would sooner give up Hermione, or Severus themselves, let alone Harry, or Ron, or Luna, anyone in his life. He'd give up anyone, or anything, sooner than the Talon wand. "'because he would be a squib without it, "'because it would mean giving up his magic. "'That was the only reason why he told himself, except. "'Draco couldn't think. "'He wished there was some other presence in the wand, "'like Periander had said, for him to talk to. "'Because there might as well have been a langlock on him "'about his wand, too. "'No one knew but Periander, "'and Draco had betrayed him already.' He put down the letter from Sirius with a groan, only to pocket it when he heard the others coming into the dorm. The sight of a certain sandy blonde head, deep in conversation with Vince about Quidditch, made Draco call out impulsively. Theo! Theo! You're afraid of me, aren't you? The other four Slytherins turned as one, looking baffled not so much by his words as the friendly tone he asked them in. "Ah, uh, yes." Theo said after a long moment, dark blue eyes narrowing, looking unsure of the answer Draco wanted. That was one of the things that had drawn Draco most to Theo, though it had taken some time to understand it about a childhood friend. In those keen, calm eyes of Theo's was a depth capable of taking in and holding any secret. Then come here, Draco said and crooked a finger. Theo approached Draco's bed as slowly, as if it held an untrained hippogriff while the other boys goggled. Don't worry, Blaze, I'll give him back intact. Relatively. What are you going to do to me? Theo asked, a pronounced pallor to his angular visage. Draco smirked, unable not to enjoy the sensation of being imposing when it came to Theo. In the blue loop. He'd been hard-pressed to intimidate Theo no matter what he did, even with a dark mark on his wrist. "'Come into my bed,' Draco purred, "'and find out.' He laughed at Theo's expression before pulling him in, drawing the curtains shut and casting Mofliato and Spalanca Secure. Theo kicked off his shoes with instinctive politeness, looking nearly as awkward to be trapped in here as he had in second year, when it had been Harry Potter behind that aloof, aristocratic face. Draco, Theo began, looking around the emerald canopy with misgiving. I don't think. Theo, Draco said, leaning forward and touching his thigh. I haven't brought you here to debauch you. Even if the way Theo's eyes dropped to Draco's hand showed a certain scepticism towards that assertion. This is just the only place in Hogwarts I can be sure we won't be seen or overheard. Theo, I've never known anyone better at keeping a secret, or at researching. What about your muggle-born? Researching dark magic, Draco finished, and Theo's faint anxiety gave way to arch exasperation. Really, Draco? Did you have to put on such a performance just to request my help, if my father ever hears about the puerile jokes you make? No, Traco drawled, that I'm not willing to reward you for your help, should you prove useful. Yes, I could be quite charitable, given the right incentive. Oh, so it would be charity, would it? Theo retorted and the way he raked his hand through his sleek, sandy hair made Draco think of Harry. Spur me, and I don't think you're self-capable of menacing me into compliance. "'I already have,' Draco said, and tapped his fingers on Theo's thigh. Theo shivered. "'Now, I know you're extremely curious, aren't you? Of course you are.' I'm an extremely fascinating person. Theo didn't roll his eyes at that the way Severus would have, but the flash of his blue eyes was eloquent enough. So, you remember about my wand, right? No one said anything. Theo said quickly, raising his hands. He got a more calculating look. Once Draco took it out and laid its bent form between them. I'll hazard a guess. "'Either you want to do something monstrous with it, "'or you're worried it's doing something monstrous to you.' "'He watched Draco's face. "'The latter, then. "'Do you think it's influencing those bouts of exhaustion you have?' "'Draco took a deep breath. "'Theo, this wand. "'Strange things happen around it, "'and someone's told me some things about it "'that I can't tell anyone. "'Or they might try and take it from me. "'I mean, even if they could.' Draco reached down after and quickly stroked at the bend with two fingers, thinking intently, "'Don't worry. I don't want you taken from me. I just want to understand you.' Theo tilted his head, staring as if wondering what horrors could be hidden in such a small piece of twisted wood. "'You want me to help you figure out what's wrong with Bellatrix Lestrange's wand?' Draco nodded, leaning closer, and Theo shifted frowning. Why would I help you, and speak no more of charity? Draco considered, dismissing the threats that came to mind, and took his hand from Theo's thigh to pick up the wand and twirl it casually between both hands. Because I've recently come into possession of a certain book I think would interest you. He jerked his head to the side, and Theo fished out. "'Manifestos of the great Gellert Grindelwald from under the pillow.' "'Theo held back a gasp, "'but his pretty eyes filled with the kind of naked, unrefined want "'that Draco had only ever seen in them in the blue loop, "'in very different circumstances, albeit in the same bed. "'Ah, ah, ah,' Draco sing-songed, "'tapping his wand on the cover to hold it closed, "'when Theo tried to look inside.' Not for you, until we've solved this. To keep, Theo said eagerly, and Draco knew he had him. If you can figure out what's wrong with my wand, you can take and keep every book I own. Tell me then, Theo said, dropping the book, though not without one last appreciative look. Even once they fell on Draco, his eyes took some time to shift "'from their heavy, intensive stare to his usual reserve. "'Tell me what's happened to you?' "'You know the penalty if you speak of this.' "'Draco poked out at Theo's tongue playfully "'and then took a deep breath. "'I suppose I should begin by telling you "'I think there's more reason than our tainted blood "'that my aunt went mad.' Draco and Theo started spending far more time together, once Draco had unburdened himself to him about the Talon wand. It was time spent in research, with Theo writing to Ollivander, using Draco's name for any information he could get, and then scouring the library about both wands and dark magic rituals. It wasn't as much as it might have been, with his extra time already divided up for flying sessions, extra potions lessons and the secret brewing of Wolfsbane with Hermione. But his newly increased association with Theo was still an anomaly that Draco's friends noticed and regarded with suspicion, particularly Harry. Didn't you once say he fancies you? Harry asked, with an inexplicable edge to his voice. He gave poor Luna an unfairly nasty glare when she broke out in giggles. Draco shrugged. "'I may have been exaggerating. "'It's just a research project. "'What's it to you, anyway, Potter?' "'Nothing,' Harry said, wilting in his chair. "'But there was a stiltedness to his manner with Draco "'for the next few days at least. "'It only seemed to let up on an evening late in January.' when Harry came up to Draco at the Slytherin table at dinner to whisper a question in his ear. Will you take me up to the Prefect's bathroom together after dinner? Draco choked on his pumpkin juice, sputtering, and forced a faux-grateful smile at Blaze, who had withdrawn his wand and cast an insufferably smug anapneo without blinking. Theo had leaned in to try and listen, and whether or not he'd heard, "'he certainly had a similarly judgmental look on his face. "'Draco looked down at his plate, found it all eaten, "'and decided he couldn't wait until after dinner "'to find out what this was about. "'Was Harry coming on to him? "'Because in truth, apart from the potential presence of actual prefects, "'Draco could hardly imagine a better place for it. "'Harry led them up towards the stairs to the bathroom,' before Draco had even agreed. Come on, I know you have a note to use from your godfather. Harry wheedled. This was the advice Cedric gave me, to take the egg and take a bath in here. He gave me the password for the bathroom and everything, but if I'm with you, I don't have to use my invisibility cloak. It's my bag anyway, though, in case we have to stay out until after curfew. Oh, that's why you're dragging me off to a lavish bath, Harry. "'Draco drawled, drawing out the syllables of Harry "'in a way he knew Harry found new and disconcerting. "'You might have said, "'Don't go getting a bloke's hopes up for nothing.' "'What?' "'Harry breathed, turning bright red. "'Draco stuck his tongue out at him. "'Shut up, Draco.' "'Harry whined and dragged him to walk faster.' Harry had used to be better at comebacks. This could take a while, Harry warned. Seriously. And Draco got out the marauder's map and led Harry to the prefect's bathroom. He gave a jaunty wave to the statue of Boris the Bewildered, and Harry whispered, Pine Fresh, to him making the door open. Oh my God! Harry blurted the moment they were inside. It'd be worth becoming a prefect to use this bathroom. "'Really?' Draco asked, frowning. "'He'd been coming here regularly to take his angel's infusion, "'but he supposed he had grown up with the finer things. "'Those savage muggles surely couldn't have provided Harry with anything like this. "'White marble with chandeliers, a swimming-pool-sized bath, "'a hundred golden taps that let out different scents of bubbles, "'and a painting of a mermaid currently sleeping.' "'Collo Portis?' Draco cast. "'We shouldn't be disturbed now, but just in case, so we know.' Draco cast tumultum adducts just inside the door. "'This is my routine when I bathe in here.' "'And that will let us know if someone comes in.' "'Oh, believe me, we'll hear it.' "'Okay, we're here. Do you think it's something here in the room to find, or—?' "'Something about the taking of a bath itself?' "'I don't know,' said Harry, "'and contented himself playing about with the different taps, "'testing them like an excited first year, "'while Draco went around inspecting the walls for anything suspicious. "'Draco grilled the mermaid for information, "'to the point of oblique threats regarding his ability "'to cast dark magic to shred canvases, "'but all he did was earn himself yet another enemy.' before she haughtily flipped her tail and went back to sleep again. Draco walked back to Harry, who had managed to fill up the whole tub with a melange of different types of bubbles that added up to pale blush. "'What's the plan, Chosen One?' "'Don't call me that,' Harry protested. "'You know,' Draco mused. "'It isn't fair. You gave Diggory the information outright.' "'told him it's dragons, period, but he just gave you a clue, "'a series of hoops to jump through. "'Really not the fair play he would probably claim to be, the sod. "'It's so great that you hate, said now,' Harry said happily, "'and raked his hand back through his hair, "'before looking between himself, Draco, and the water with a gulp. "'So,' Draco prompted, "'Harry knelt beside the water, swiping his palm through, testing. "'He said, "'Take a bath, so I think we'd better take a bath.' "'Brilliant deduction,' Draco said dryly. "'Truly one of the brightest minds of our generation. "'The goblet had no choice but to take you as champion. "'Well, good luck, Harry. "'You want me to leave the marauder's map?' "'What are you talking about, Draco?' I can't figure this out by myself. You have to do it too. So Draco's ears hadn't deceived him. Harry Potter was asking him to take a bath together. But, Draco said, the height of eloquence. Um, you and me here, a a bath? Really? Yeah, said Harry. He'd already rolled up his sleeves to play with the bath. Now he shrugged off his robes, jacket, tie, shoes and socks, a multicolored, patterned pair that looked to be from Dobby. He pulled his shirt over his head and tossed it to the pile of the rest of his clothes without missing a beat. Come on, Draco, what, are you self-conscious? Shouldn't that be me? You're the one who's probably going to make fun of me. Draco did not exactly see anything in front of him to make fun of. beautiful was the word that kept going through his stunned mind, of the expanse of smooth, pale skin before him that Draco had never seen before and had never expected to see. Draco had known, of course, that Harry Potter had a body, as all humans generally did, but he tried to think about its existence as little as possible, especially recently, but there was no pretending it didn't exist when it was right there before him not as skinny as Draco might have hoped for his own sanity. It was a lean athlete's body, with prominent collarbones, with their hollows carved in their own white marble, more perfect than any marble in the room. There was the sharpness of Harry's nipples, from the coolness of the air, a squareness to his solid shoulders, the light, Taught, muscular definition already visible in Harry's arms and chest, and lower, not that Draco should be looking. But looking up was worse, because it reminded Draco that this pale, beautiful body before him belonged to Harry Potter, adding the sharp tendons of that exposed throat, the curl of dark hair getting too long at the back of his neck, soft and liable to quickly get wet. You're going to make fun of me now, aren't you? Harry said gloomily, taking Draco's inspection to have the exact opposite motivation it did. Draco would have, if he could have, but there was nothing to mock. There was not a part of Harry he thought he could mention without betraying himself. He'd long resented Harry for being essentially perfect, but it was too much for him to be too perfect-looking, too with a rose-pink flush creeping over his cheeks and throat and collarbones at the nearby heat. Just don't, um, get why you think I have to stay, Draco breathed. You should help me figure it out, Harry said, casting him a sideways glance. You should get in the bath too, come on, and pulled off his trousers. "'stripping down to black boxes before climbing down into the water. "'Ah, that feels weird,' Harry added. "'And a second later his wet boxes came off "'under the screen of thick white bubbles "'and were put on the pile of the rest of his clothes. "'Suddenly the question of getting in with Potter became far less academic. "'It was either leave or get in the bath, one or the other.' While Draco's body was about to betray him in a way he felt he could hardly control knowing Harry was naked now and waiting for him for the task the try was a task he told himself and took the path of least resistance stripping down quickly to his underwear then taking it off under a towel before getting in he didn't mind getting one of the many towels wet "'but he had no intention of going back to Slytherin wet down there. "'He made himself not look at Harry to see if he was watching. "'He knew he was a bit taller than Harry, "'but less broad and paler yet, "'to the point it was borderline vampire-like. "'Plenty of people could get past that, though. "'Draco had no illusion he wasn't attractive, "'just like his mother and father were. "'It was in the Malfoy Heritage.' No, it wasn't his personal appearance that would embarrass him today. But what Potter might spot on it, if Draco couldn't get his mind in order. Even as he was thinking that, his eyes drifted to where Harry's fingers were sliding over the surface of the water, playing with the bubbles. "'Hey,' Harry said. "'Ah, thanks for helping,' and glided over towards the other side of the bath to join Draco. He raked a wet, soapy hand through his hair, before frowning as he felt soap in his hair, and getting just water to run through, slicking it back completely. His face being wet had somehow made his eyes look bigger. They were more prominent still, with his forehead and that famous scar on display. But Harry was not some practiced seducer far from it. Every effect he had on Draco was unintentional, which just added to the indignity of it. Harry nearly lost his footing coming to Draco and lost his glasses in the water. Draco lifted them with his wand and levitated them over to Harry's pile of clothes. Shouldn't be wearing them in the bath anyway, Potter. Harry. What if there's something I need to see? Harry asked then quickly added. For the task. Flush darkening over his chest. His chest kept coming distractingly in and out of sight for Draco, right at the line of bubbles. "'That's what you've got me for, isn't it?' Draco said, pointing to his own eyes. Harry squinted a bit, but he seemed able to read the gesture from the other side of the bath from his weak laugh, and then Harry beckoned him over to his side. "'The over here, actually,' he called. Draco couldn't stop staring at Harry. It would have been humiliating, if even the sight wasn't having an effect on him, one that made him eternally grateful. Harry had added bubbles. God forbid Harry decided the clue from Diggory wouldn't work unless they bathed in clear water. The realisation that Draco had left his wand over on the other edge of the bath sent him rushing back to get it, and he placed it as close to him on the rim of the bath as possible. When he looked up, from its reassuring dark bend, Harry was watching him with those bare eyes. You splashed me, he said petulantly, rubbing water and bubbles out of his eyes. Eyelashes sticking together darkened, each individual one almost visible. They were so close. Ah! Draco cried out, as Harry splashed him back on purpose. You! You! "'Animal!' Draco yelped, covering his face as he tried to blink away the sting. "'You illiterate, barbaric animal cretin!' Harry snorted and splashed him again for good measure. "'I am not one of your weasleys to engage in snow or water fights. "'Stop it! I will use dark magic!' "'Go ahead,' Harry said. "'It's fascinating when you use dark magic.' "'Then shut his mouth, flushing darker, as well he should. "'That was not an appropriate sentiment "'to be held by the saviour of the wizarding world. "'For the first time in years, "'concern about corrupting the Gryffindor trio "'swam to the forefront of Draco's mind, "'and then he looked at Harry, smirking at him "'with his body glistening in the water.' and he could think of so many ways he could corrupt this Gryffindor. Then I won't, Draco said. If you like it too much, we're in the same bath. After all, Harry, wouldn't do for you to start getting excited. And Harry made a sound like he'd been stabbed. I, I wasn't, I didn't mean, oh God. Harry babbled, covering his face with his hands. I was joking, Draco said uncertainly, a bit stung, to see the idea of finding him attractive was that repulsive to Harry. His belief that Severus was always right, well, except for when it came to the marauders, was reaffirmed yet again. Basilisk corpse. Thinking of that ought to be helping with his own personal issue with excitement. And yet his own act of prying Harry's hands off that mortified face just made it worse. Every sensation in his body starting to concentrate under the water, except for the parts where his and Harry's skin touched, when the dragon kisses the stag. Oh, right, sorry. Harry breathed, and seemed to have forgotten why they were there. When Draco pointed at the golden egg, He looked at it like he'd never seen it before, then looked back at Draco. Hopefully he wasn't contemplating splashing Draco again. It's just God. Draco, I can't stand it. It's you. You're... You're so... I'd try putting it in the water if I were you, purred a rather familiar voice which did not do sultry very well. It's Myrtle, Draco said helpfully. Recognizing the voice even before he saw her spectral form, Merlin. This had to be like Christmas morning for her. Two of her favorite boys in the bath, making her the unimpeded spectator of a personal nirvana. And Myrtle did look pleased with herself, ignoring Harry's cry of indignation as he squinted in the direction of the blue light she gave off. Myrtle, I'm not. I'm not wearing anything. Neither is he, Myrtle giggled and gave Draco a saucy little wave with a couple of fingers. Oh, Harry, Draco's so lovely, isn't he? All pale skin and pale hair and you all dark and brooding with those green, green eyes. Did you know he slayed uh, Draco began only for Harry to shove a hand over his mouth. If you say one word, let alone sing. Harry hissed venomously in his ear. About a basilisk I will make sure that... He seemed to run out of steam when it came to an actual threat. Something very bad happens to you. He finished lamely. Oh, are you fighting? Myrtle cooed, floating closer for a better look. Look at the pair of you, Draco, you're touching him. You like boys, don't you? I heard you talking about them with that awful snotty girl with the buck teeth. Hermione doesn't have buck teeth anymore. Luna fixed them, Draco protested. Right as Harry asked, Myrtle, what did he say about boys in your bathroom? Traitor? Draco hissed and poked a finger at Potter's shoulder. Once his fingertips grazed the smooth hollow of Harry's collarbone, he found them disinclined to push with as much force as planned, or leave any time soon. So he rested his hand on Harry's shoulder with a purposeful air, as if squaring up, and presenting them as a united front against the intruder. Excellent anti-intruder charm, Harry whispered. It doesn't work, for. Ghosts, Draco whispered back, and that was when Myrtle floated in to join them in the bath. Oh no, am I a third wheel? She giggled. I watch the boys taking baths sometimes, but I've never come to speak to anyone here before. That's because Draco's my friend. He's the nicest boy I've ever met. She sniffed haughtily. You could learn from him, Harry. Okay, Harry said slowly. "'So, um, how can we help you, Myrtle?' "'He seemed to be counting the seconds until they could make Myrtle go away. "'At least the ghost's presence had neatly eliminated Draco's personal problem. "'Well, anyway,' Myrtle said, "'I try the egg in the water. That's what Cedric Diggory did.' "'Harry grabbed the egg from the side. "'He had to lean a bit, exposing the stretch of his taut, wet abdomen as he reached.' Draco quickly looked away, only to see Myrtle staring openly and quite shamelessly. "'I feel you there, Myrtle.' Once he was fully back in the water, thankfully not too long for the sake of Draco's sanity, Myrtle told them, "'Go on, then, open it under the water.' Harry lowered the egg down beneath the bubbles, and there was not the wailing sound that Harry had told Draco to inspect. "'Instead, there was the muffled sound of singing. "'You need to put your head under, too,' Myrtle added with a superior air. "'Go on!' Draco took a deep breath and submerged himself. "'He forced his eyes open and his face met Harry's, also opening underwater. "'Their eyes locked, and Draco had to force himself to listen "'when the singing started up again. "'It was an uninspired piece of lyricism.' No information he hadn't known from witnessing the task in the blue loop. All he really learned was that Harry Potter even looked perfect underwater. They surfaced after the song ended. Draco wanted to put the sight of Harry pushing his shaggy, wet, dark hair back out of his eyes into some loop and watch it every day until he died. "'Hear it?' said Myrtle. "'Yeah.' "'Come seek us where your voices sound. "'And if I need persuading... "'Hang on, I need to listen again.' "'He looked at Draco. "'You coming?' "'This is your bit, Harry. "'I'm just here to add some visual appeal to the proceedings.' "'Oh, you do!' "'Myrtle giggled. "'And Draco smiled at her. "'Harry scowled and muttered, "'Don't flirt too much while I'm underwater.' "'Harry had to do it six times total "'to have it all memorized and then he had an infuriating difficulty puzzling it out. Draco was biased to think it was easy, since he already knew, but even Myrtle observed how slow Harry was at it. He kept looking plaintively over at Draco to solve it for him. Finally he started getting somewhere. Underwater, Harry said slowly, what lives in the lake apart from the giant squid? Grindelow's, you simpleton! "'Draco said impatiently. "'Grindolos and mermaids? "'How did you get top marks in defence last year? "'Don't get me thinking it was a case of nepotism.' "'That's it, isn't it?' said Harry excitedly. "'The second task's to go and find the merpeople in the lake, and... "'And... "'He quickly ran out of steam. "'Wait, how am I supposed to breathe?' "'Draco had opened his mouth for a smart comment.' But Myrtle cleared her throat, liable to burst into tears at any moment, along with her eponymous moaning. (laughs) "'Tagless!' she exclaimed, and got angrier at their blank looks. "'Talking about breathing in front of me!' she said, with an ill-portending, rising hysteria. "'When I can't, when I have enough for ages!' She buried her face in her handkerchief and sniffed loudly. "'Myrtle?' Draco said. "'Come on, just think. Have some perspective. "'You are in a bath with the best-looking boy in all of fourth year—no, in all of the school. "'He's powerful. He's a world-class seeker. He's charismatic. "'Draws people in, and just to be near him is a privilege. "'Oh, and Harry Potter is here too, so just chill.' "'He jerked his thumb towards Harry, and enjoy the view. "'Oh, I am,' Myrtle said dreamily, "'and seemed to zone out at the sight before her, "'which, admittedly, with Potter would not be a very difficult trap "'for anyone to fall into. "'What does it mean, do you think, Draco?' "'Harry asked anxiously. "'We've taken what you'll sorely miss. "'It's like they're going to take something of mine, "'something I have to get back.' I don't know, Draco said, and then said to hell with repeating the blue loop. He had suffered enough, pretending to speculate on information he already knew. I bet it will be people. That's what you're supposed to care about the most, right? The people in their lives. Maybe they're going to put the people you love the most underwater, and you'll have to go and save them. Is it strictly people regardless, or...? Did it just happen to be a person that would be most missed for all the champions? Imagine if it's literal. If I was a champion, I'd like to see them try and put the talon wand at the bottom of the great lake. Oh! Harry exclaimed, and then blanched completely, gripping onto the edges of the bath behind him with undue terror. Wait, does that mean... Who we fancy the most or something. Who we have the most romantic feelings for. How would anyone know that? Would we say, or would there be a spell that would just know who we like? Oh, that's lovely. Myrtle sighed lasciviously. Draco frowned. Don't be daft. It says who you'll miss the most. Not who your dick will miss the most. You can care about people platonically too. Unless there was far more between you and Ron than I ever suspected. Is that what prompted this summer's discovery of your latent bisexuality? For you, it will probably be Ron. He's your best friend, isn't he? Oh, Harry said, chewing on his lip. Yeah. And looked still inexplicably nervous, gazing around restlessly. Maybe he was wondering now how he would keep from drowning Draco's second favourite Weasley. Nebulous, Draco cast, climbing out of the bath, then called Accio Bathrobe, and wrapped himself in it before looking over in Potter's direction. He could see nothing in the opaque smoke. What are you doing? You aren't leaving, are you? Oh, I can't see anything! Myrtle called in despair, and Draco laughed indulgently. Accio bathrobe. He called again, then felt and put it down. Here, Harry, I put it right behind you, I think. Get out and put it on, then I'll clear the mist. Hey, Myrtle, don't be sad. You know you'll see me and Hermione in your bathroom tomorrow. Suddenly it occurred to Draco. Hey, Myrtle, all the times I've been having my soaks here, have you been spying on me? "'From somewhere, in the fog, a coy little voice called, "'I'll never tell!' "'There were some thudding sounds, and then Harry announced, "'Okay, I'm ready.' "'They packed up while Myrtle watched them adoringly, "'and a look at Draco's watch told him it was definitely past curfew. "'It was a tighter fit, sharing the cloak at this age than as first years, "'but they managed, even if it put them in tight enough proximity.' "'For him to tell Harry now smelled very, very good. "'Would our now smell like whatever random combination of bubbles "'Harry had poured in like a simpleton? "'The indignities never ended. "'They checked the Marauder's map "'and found Filch and Mrs Norris in Filch's office "'and Peeves a floor above in the trophy room. "'Draco insisted Harry be the one to take the cloak to his common room "'and allow Draco to sneak back the rest of the way on his own.' Severus tended to be more forgiving than McGonagall. But Harry stopped them, to point out something strange on the map. Look, there's someone in your godfather's office, but it's not him, it says Bartemius Crouch. Took long enough for you to notice. It's not Moody's name, where the fake Moody is. Observational skills of a gnat, Gryffindor's. Didn't Percy say he was ill? Do you think he's trying to get something on you? Who knows? Said Draco, stifling a yawn, only to have to follow after in his slippers as Harry began to drag the cloak down in the wrong direction. We have to see what he's up to, Harry insisted, and could not be dissuaded. Come on, it's so near your dorm, I'll just drop you by after, okay? Barely a detour. Why are you like this? Draco hissed. I am never helping you with anything ever again. But, aren't you curious? Harry whispered, green eyes gleaming as they hurried, and Draco tried not to let those eyes distract him enough to run into a wall. No. And then, halfway down a staircase, Harry was the one to get distracted, trapping himself in a trick step. Are you serious? Draco hissed, and Harry just made a mournful noise and tried to pull at his leg. All he managed to do was spill his bag all down the stairs, and then himself, sending him sprawling down out of the cloak, out of Draco's reach. The sound of the rattling golden egg wasn't exactly soft, either. Potter! You moron! Draco went down the stairs under the cloak, grumbling and picking up a dazed Harry's things for him. He made sure to get the marauder's map and erase it before offering Harry a hand up. Harry, Harry said dazedly, "'Call me Harry.' "'Right now. "'You're lucky I'm not calling you anything but blunderpass.' "'Peeves!' And there was Filch, shuffling onto the scene, lovelier yet. "'What's this racket? "'Wake up the whole castle, will ya? "'I'll have you, Peeves, I'll have you. "'And what is this?' Seemed that somehow... Draco had forgotten to put back the great golden egg into the bag. Oh, Salazar, bloody hell! Draco groaned into Harry's ear. How did I miss the egg? They watched as Filch monologued towards an imagined Peeves, who in his mind seemed the obvious culprit of egg-thieving, and whom Filch would now be able to triumphantly have expelled from the school once and for all. "'Shouldn't we make a break for it?' "'The egg!' Harry hissed. "'We have to see if they can figure out it's mine. "'Oh, no!' Draco brightened at the same time. "'Oh, look! It's Severus!' he said, "'and was half-tempted to throw off the cloak and stroll right out. "'No!' Harry hissed. "'Not great. He hates me, remember? "'And do you think your godfather wants to see us sneaking around together at night in... in... Bathrobes. No, that did not sound like a sight calculated to gratify one Severus Snape. There was a great confusion then, as Severus was annoyed about someone having broken into his office and felt confusing that with the matter of the egg. They kept bickering, while Draco shuffled closer to Harry under the cloak. It was getting warm underneath, from their collective body warmth otherwise they might have been cold, wet in slippers on the Hogwarts stone. Filch, I don't give a damn about that wretched poltergeist, it's my office, that's. And then there was staff tapping, not ideal at the best of times, and Crouch was one of Draco's least favourite users of that technique. Crouch came limping over towards the stairs with a ratty old cloak over his nightshirt. Pajama party, is it? he said. And Draco had the bad feeling he was about to witness the infuriating sight of someone addressing his godfather with disrespect. Professor Snape and I heard noises, Professor, said "Felt Peeves the poltergeist, throwing things around as usual, and then Professor Snape discovered someone had broken into his office. Shut up. Snape hissed to Filch. Crouch walked closer, gazing up the stairs. That hideous false eye did its jerking all about. First on Severus, and then Draco and Harry. The way Harry stiffened, Draco had to stifle a laugh. Don't worry, he whispered in Harry's ear. We're invisible. And Harry didn't relax. Not to him, Harry hissed. Not to that eye. And sure enough, Crouch was staring right at them. Draco expected that to be just about the end of his natural existence, but Crouch finally just turned away and began harassing Severus, which was wrong on so many levels, but Draco could barely hear them over the relief of not being exposed. "'Why didn't he turn us in?' he hissed to Draco, and Draco put a finger to his lips. "'Because he wants you succeeding in the tournament to lure you to your doom.' Obviously. Now shut up. Eventually, Crouch managed to wrest the egg from a sour filch, while a no less bitter-looking Severus stalked in the opposite direction toward the dungeons. "'Let's go!' Draco hissed. "'Get the egg back from him tomorrow!' But Crouch was limping up the stairs right to them. "'We're going past him. Now! Fuck him! If he hexes us, he hexes us!' "'What?' Harry asked, mystified, but let Draco drag them right past Crouch, as if they had never seen him seeing them. They heard Crouch clear his throat behind them, but no steps or curses followed them on their way down to the dungeons. Harry insisted on walking Draco to his common room, since they knew for sure Severus would be awake. They lingered at the entrance, faces close under the cloak. You really think it will be a person I'd most miss? Harry whispered. "'And Draco shrugged. "'What do I look like, Uh..." ah?' "'Time-traveller Draco tried to joke, "'and the Langlock cut off even that. "'A seer?' he joked weakly, but Harry laughed. "'Somehow he always seemed to laugh at Draco's jokes. "'Thank you, Draco,' was all Harry whispered back "'and kissed him on the cheek before taking the cloak "'and racing back out of the dungeons.' Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and The Wheel of Hecate, Part four of the Mirror of Isidiru series by Star Bridget.